In our last episode, we started our lovely discussion on Crave of the Fireflies. We began by talking about just the the wonderful things that the movie was able to achieve and the, the small elements that made it unique in its history in in in, in some sense and and then we um began discussing the meat meat of um the story and and what made it so wonderful for us and uh we had just begun discussing it and now we'll we'll you know pick it up from where we left off and really get into discussing some of the more um impactful uh scenes and i think it would be unfair of me to say some of the more impactful scenes because i think that there aren't any um specific plot points in the story that are more impactful than the others and i think that was one of the things that we discussed in the previous episode as well that these moments of just pure genius that of of conflict that the viewer is supposed to feel of um and and the weight of certain scenes is scattered throughout the film it's not just um all okie dokie in the beginning with a heavy plot point and then a, a heavy ending but it's it's such such wonderfully created and crafted scenes are scattered throughout um but uh most of uh, but we're going to still we're still going to discuss a lot more of the scenes and what we liked about the film um in this episode i want to start off this one with thinking about why the film is called grave of the fireflies um that's a funny question because i didn't think of that that question the first time um i saw the film so the first time i saw it i saw just fireflies and i didn't really make much of it but the second time around i really you know tried to make myself think about why the movie was named what it was and at first when when we were when um seta and satsuko go to the small cave to live by themselves and when uh, after their night of you know um collecting fireflies and keeping them in their small little room and in the morning when um satsuko is creating uh, a shallow grave for the fireflies i thought that it's that scene uh, alone um that the movie borrows its name from but it was also um and and then i thought about what satsuko said the previous night when they were looking at the fireflies and she says um why do fireflies die so quickly and that's the only thing she says that night i think um and this is just what i think about why the movie is named what it is right i i thought if them and satsuko and seta as fireflies and especially in the context of the war that they find themselves in that they lived such short lives themselves that they they were born and they you know found a little bit of joy they they lit up the world in whatever capacity they could but they died very soon and at the end um I I thought of Satsuko as uh Satsuko's grave but not really a grave but her funeral um as a grave of a firefly or grave of the firefly and I thought of her as the firefly someone who lived a short life 
but one that was just poetically beautiful. I was the same as you actually. I did not really think about it the first time, but I think this is a film that demands multiple uh visits and I think uh, our decision or our inclination to think of the meaning of the title only upon the second viewing um may point to the fact that we might discover something new even on the third or the fourth fifth I don't know 100th viewing right so I agree with you in 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 that I think Setsuko and Saita themselves are fireflies right metaphorically uh but I also want to take that a little further and say that there are more layers to this to this name in fact before I get into that it almost it almost hurt to see how well uh, Saita was treating Setsuko especially knowing the end of the film because once you've seen it and you come back to it a second time you know what's going to happen so it's almost doubly painful to see the the lives that they're leading uh when you know what's what their ultimate fate is going to be right and along similar lines speaking of their relationship i think the five the grave of the five flies or the 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 term refers to their relationship in one way because obviously there's that scene like you mentioned of uh setsuko burying the five flies um and then asking why do they have to live s- such short lives or why do they have to die so soon i think that's what she says um so yes they they are the fireflies themselves in one way uh leading short lives and so on but also in 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 japanese culture and i guess japanese mythology the firefly is meant to represent one of two things it's either it it could be love or it could be war now when i say war it specifically refers to the souls of soldiers who have died in war so i think grave of the fireflies is also a much more literal title in that it refers to all the lives lost during war and the countless graves or the one massive grave that was the country itself or the world itself um of the soldiers who have died during the war moreover i i don't believe that um saitan setsuko led particularly good or beautiful lives right because at the end of the day they weren't they weren't happy people um you could make a case and say that they were happy at times and they had the so called the little things to keep them in good spirits going to the beach um those boxes of fruit drops and so on but i those were temporary consolations for a life that was inevitably just sad and ugly because of war and in that way i think they were almost reduced to the position of the firefly in that they were merely flies in the larger scheme of things in in war they were casualties that no one really cared about in some sense and that does make a lot of sense um when you when you think about their loss even towards the the end of the film or i think it was the beginning um where 
Seta, uh, when he was, you know, malnutritioned and dying at the train station, he was just one of many, right? And uh, the station masters are, uh, I don't know what they were called, but they looked at, they went around and said, oh, here's another. And that, that scene is also particularly emotionally demanding when he looks at the body, uh, another body, and says, uh, this look, this blank look that they have is a sign that they're going to be gone soon. And to think that there are just so many of them, and more importantly, you could say they're people who whose loss might not be felt by a lot of people, especially in the context of Satsuko and Seta, who lost their parents, who lost anybody who would have cared for their death, who would have cared about losing them, who would have tried to avoid that, but they had no one who would do that. Their aunt, I don't think, would have cared. Um, nobody would have cared. So yeah, I guess in that sense, you're right. But I just wanted to say one last thing before I, you know, I think that I wouldn't, I still want to hold on to the belief that their life was a happy one and their life wasn't just small moments of happiness or at the least I don't think that their life was an ugly one. And the reason I want to believe that is because the creators of this film drew you in with the relationship that Seta and Satsuko had. And the reason I also want to believe that th- their life wasn't an ugly one. And and I want to make this clear. I, I don't think that this is a justif- justification of their life being... Um, life ending and them having to live as it were it was you know unjust yeah i mean i'm i'm glad you've said that because that's exactly what i was going to say after yeah 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 i don't i don't want that to be because oftentimes people use that as a justification to say well it's not the it's the little things in life you know especially rich people who say oh don't worry about it money doesn't make you happy or things don't make you happy no i don't want that to be justification of um the fate that they had or they encountered or whatever but what i do want to say is that i don't think that their life was an ugly one because they had each other right and i think that throughout the movie at least at least i think that the creators tried to highlight that with their scenes at the beach with um you know uh them trying to have their own home and just just the nature of the relationship between seta and satsuko them just being happy with each other and and another reason why i think that i want to hold on to the belief that their life isn't wasn't an ugly one is because if i were in their position and it was me with my brother going through all of these horrible things you know malnutrition um the loss of my parents I would still consider my life a beautiful one for having my brother, for having someone to go through that with, you know, for having someone to hold and tell me that it'll be okay or to, to, to someone to go to the beach with and run around with, you know, just, just those things, which is why I also thought that their lives were, to some extent, beautiful ones. And again, this comes with that, big chunk of that cautionary note that I gave earlier. 
yeah i'm a li- i'm still a little conflicted about that but i see where you're coming from right especially especially when we look at it uh in terms of time in the film so the film has a lot of i mean it plays a lot with time i think because there are scenes where there's um there's a version of saita that's almost red in hue and at moments in the film like he's looking out at his past self and at setsuko and their time together and despite the fact that um setsuko died so much earlier that red version of saita that's looking out across his past self always has setsuko on his back so even in his memory or even in the, even the time before death where he's almost having that life flash before his eyes moment i think that that's that's how i see it when he's having that moment setsuko is never removed from it so she's such an integral pillar in his life that we can't take that away from uh from the beauty of their lives if we were to make a case for their lives being beautiful so i think there is value in both sides of the argument the fact that well on the one hand they lived in such materially poor conditions but they also had the they had genuine human connections with each other right and i like how you said i like how i particularly like how you brought up rich people and you know the 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 age old argument that oh don't worry money is in happiness you know it's the little things in life that matter and i've noticed that it's always the materially affluent people that say that <laughs> people who already have material means are the first to say that well material means aren't everything <laughs> which is really really telling of something much larger right and even in the film the at the end of the film so saita and setsuko are dying i think setsuko is dead even um but then there's this group of rich young japanese girls who come back home um presumably they evacuated the city because of the war and now they're coming back and they say nothing's changed <laughs> we can finally listen to the gramophone again or or that they missed the view from their balcony things like that and it's those scenes that really deepen the gap or rather they show how deep the gap is between between the people who are really affected by the war and the people who control the war and similarly there's this scene where saidan said score literally picking up ice off the road because setsuko doesn't have nutrition she's she's dying of malnutrition and they're forced to pick up ice from the street i don't know man it was just <laughs> i don't really know what to say it was just really sad <laughs> it takes a lot to watch scenes like that those scenes like those isn't it to to have to come to terms with the fact that that that's that's how they have to get by and you know what you what you said about those those young girls and them coming back and i think that also really ties into um the whole idea of the guilt that we spoke about i think in the previous episode right of you you don't know how to feel because in this time and i think at the time that this film was created and even today you know that there are wars around the world where unfortunately people and children specifically experience similar fates or fates probably worse than the ones that setsuko and seta had to face 
and there's the the struggle of coming to terms with the fact that in 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 some sense you're also you know um the the girls coming back after a tragedy so i found that that struggle as a viewer that struggled really interesting to to find within me and you know it's just just a small point but i i actually thought that um this was you know the the scene where uh the the red scenes where um seta and satsuko are together i actually took that to be them moving on or, or some sort of an afterlife but you you know saying that it's his life flashing before him makes a lot of sense it actually fits in with the story just as much but i also think that the reason i wanted to think that it's uh an afterlife of sorts so it's it's just you know wanting to believe that they that setsuko and seta could be together again just that desire to want to believe that i didn't even think that it was him experiencing his life flashing before him but me instinctively just taking that to be his an afterlife where they get to be together and i think that's so fascinating to think that we both thought of that same scene differently and uh just what it could mean for other people as well uh watching that same scene that that was really that 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 just hit me you know as you were speaking Mm, yeah interpretations interpretations <laughs> the struggle to know what's true and what's not part 1 actually no it's part infinity or something it's, it's always the case isn't it but uh i guess you know continuing from that same line of thought of the the thought about them either moving on to the afterlife or their life flashing before their eyes I would like also to think that uh in many ways even your interpretation could be true because I there was this one thing that really uh that really I I was confused by it first but then now when I when I think of it it could be almost like like a premonition or a visionary image right so at the end of the film I think the film even ends with this shot where Saita and Setsuko are uh on a bench of sorts and they're looking out they're on a hill actually they're looking out across a hyper modern japan almost like a 21st century japan with high rise buildings and uh, you know widespread electricity and you know glass buildings skyscrapers what not so they're looking out over this modern scene and i see that as as saita or setsuko's maybe pr- primarily saita's um uh need to believe that what he was doing was for the right cause so maybe his desire to believe that his father's death his mother's death uh, setsuko's death and even his own death is eventually leading up to something great which is the scene that he sees in front of him and whether or not that comes to fruition is left up to the audience of course but the fact that that scene even exists in the film um i think points to a more uh points to a deeper vision of the character than than existed in the beginning of the film and that's what i like in films such as this which is the character development like it's almost as if 
you're going on that arc on that journey with them and then you reach the resolution with them and then it leaves you feeling empty afterwards but yeah it, at least you reach the resolution with them yeah and even though you don't you don't you don't have much to make you feel better because there's really no feeling better about war and about the kind of suffering that Seta and Satsuko went through there's really no feeling good about it there's, there's probably no happy ending at least in the material world that you can com- comfort yourself with it's it's interpretations like those and of of um you know of wanting to find that satisfaction um elsewhere in the story and i wanted to ask you about their death itself and uh, what i what i think i wanted to ask you and this really played on my mind the second time around right um and i think i mentioned this in passing in our earlier episode too in the first episode about who we can blame right who does the responsibility fall on because you've got arguably a sort of a villainous character which is the aunt right but she's not really villainous as we discussed in the in the previous episode but cuz cuz they've got she's got her like struggles of her own which is you know which the 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 creators of this film uh have worked into it so well but i guess this is more a conversation about like you know moral responsibility of of death and war who do you hold accountable in, in something like this because you know when you think about um what is right and what is wrong it's it's really hard when it comes to a picture like this right um to 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 a film like this because even though it seems easy to you know say that in some sense um the aunt was responsible for their death or you know just war in general was responsible for their for their death it's it's a lot harder to to try and understand why we have those inclinations and and if we had lived through the aunt's um you know experience of having to take into orphans into more mouths to feed so to speak in in times of like scarce resources would d- does she really deserve to be blamed um does does like you know um like the does she have any sort of moral responsibility towards those kids or or and you know questions like that so my thoughts are that morality is whack Okay no yeah uh, seriously I no. think I think we're going to we're going to we're going to create uh, we might be table uh, tables merch and the first t-shirt we're going to make is morality is whack shri sudarshan uh, 2021 oh god but seriously though like how do we how do I even begin thinking about that because obviously we've discussed in the previous episode that she you know she can't entirely be blamed but can she be blamed at all as in your question of whether she has any moral responsibility and before i give you my personal opinion on that i think it's interesting to point out that there was an interview conducted not really an interview uh more like a survey conducted of american and japanese audiences after watching the film right and the the japanese audiences who watched the film thought that uh, saito's decision not to go back to his aunt after after leaving 
was good like it it was justified and that he was raised to be uh to to have pride in himself and in self-worth and what not but american audiences were more inclined to say that it was a foolish decision not to go back like he should have gone back that was the that was the smart thing to do right and that cultural difference between what is acceptable and what is not acceptable or what is honorable and what is not honorable is i think i found that quite interesting so if you could um let me know what you think of that after just after i finish uh and coming to moral responsibility immediately i don't think i don't think anybody can be absolved of blame or absolved of moral responsibility if they actively treat others with some kind of you know undue or, or treat others unjustly unduly if that makes sense like the way the way their aunt were the the way their aunt was treating them was not really just right and by just i mean it wasn't really uh uh it it wasn't in the benefit of any it wasn't in i guess what i mean to say it is it wasn't morally permissible by any framework so if you look at a if you look at a, a utilitarian perspective she's lessening happiness rather than increasing it but if you look at like if you look at it from i guess a feminist ethics of care lens she's she's not really being very caring towards them if you look at it from a deontological point of view i would i would assume that that would not be the right thing to do um and so on i, I guess virtue ethics also it, it would not be really a permissible thing to do and bottom line is that although she can't be blamed for everything she does have moral responsibility towards the children because of the very fact that they are helpless children i'm actually glad you brought up the the point about seta's decision decision because i kind of struggled with that too myself and i'm yeah and like like i said i'm so glad you brought it up because there's obviously that question of him returning right and and whether the the responsibility for their deaths actually falls on him and not really the aunt because even if conditions were ho- like really bad and um they had to you know struggle to live with her under her rule and her insults and and what not they'd still probably see the end of the war they'd be able to to live supposedly they'd be able to live longer lives and and to think that there's there's the weight of that decision to be to be something that a 14 or a 15 year old having to have to make that is really interesting and and you know i thought that honor was a really significant part in seta's decision obviously in not wanting to be treated that way by his aunt honor was obviously important but i also wondered what the role of his care for and his love for satsuko was important right in in determining and making the decision of not going back to his aunt and i have a couple of things to say about this before i get to moral responsibility right which is one when you think about uh and this is i'm i'm so glad i finally remember this because i wanted to talk about this when we were talking about some of the most impactful scenes which is when seta discovers that um their aunt has told secretly told satsuke 
Satsuko that her mother passed away. The moment Seta learns that, he breaks down. And I remember and going back to the conversation we had in the first episode of him having to hold all that in for his sister to be strong for her. All of that goes away when he realizes that it's been pointless of him having to shield her but then losing all of that. And so that that decision of his aunt doing something like that and of her, you know, going in and screaming at Satsuko who's literally a 4-year-old who lost her mother who's seen death scolding her for crying at night which i would assume is a normal response for someone for a child who's seen as much as she has and asking her to shut up so because there are people working for the country who need to sleep you know things like that and and how much she had to make what she made satsuko go through like that being what prompted seta to make that decision of not going back you know more than honor but i'm sure honor played a role as well so that was really interesting to me and one and and you know a 14 year old having to make that decision and and the second thing i wanted to say about this was even after learn and this is i think where honor comes in a lot more right which is at a certain point where it becomes clear that satsuko's condition is really bad where he has to take her to the doctor who tells him that the only thing she needs is nutrition because she's you know you can see her rib cage she's got rashes literally all over and that's that's basically the scene where they also you know eat shaved ice off the ground and even at that point seta doesn't turn back and say you know i need to go back and look for help and i think that was where the thought of honor came into play for me and the significance of it in his decision to not seek his aunt's help or anyone else's help for that for for for, for that matter um so that's what i had that those are a couple things i had and about moral responsibility and and i i agree right you know i i think that there's the aunt seems to have have responsibility of sorts to take care of them not just because she became immediate family but also because they were just human beings that needed care it didn't matter who they were and that they were children but that they were just beings who needed help um and that alone i think made her morally responsible for them so i i kind of agree with you in that but uh what do you think about you know the the role of seta's love for his daughter and then honor and all of that you know being in in a huge convoluted mess uh of sorts a huge convoluted mess is the best way to <laughs> best way to describe it because it's it, it's in many instances that honor is either upheld or it breaks down and i think in japanese culture there's uh, honor has a very long history and i think it's it's definitely looked uh, looked as a good thing to be honorable i think right from uh, if you look at you know old uh, jidai geki films kurosawa films um, any you know uh, i guess yasujiro ozu films you know any film or any cultural text um, from japan has a lot to do with honor uh i mean i i i might be criminally wrong but this is the way i've understood it through different media 
um and i think i'm mostly right right so honor does play a large role not just in japanese culture i mean in indian culture also it does play a, la- a large role but you know saying japanese because grave of the five flies is a japanese film obviously um and the way that honor plays out in these different locations is is not consistent at at the least right so an honorable thing i guess to do would be to stay away from his aunt but then i wonder where or how honorable an action it is to also steal because he was saita did if i can call it stealing steal crops from a farmer and this is not the case of like robin hood where he's stealing from the rich to give to the poor he's stealing from the poor for the poor so i mean i i just i don't know how to how to think of honor in terms of that because of it is after all um in the same uh it is in the arena of honor i think set as actions of stealing from the farmer but but the fact that he did it for his sister who was dying makes me believe that it was the right thing to do uh although i wonder if it if if it would have been better if he had in fact gone back rather than having to resort to i guess stealing which which in this case puts him under the under in a similar bracket similar moral bracket as his aunt where he's almost reducing the uh he's reducing the utility utility of or reducing the happiness of multiple people he's not really it's deontologically i guess quote unquote wrong to steal and so on and so forth um and i think what's interesting to me in what you said towards the end and also just the thoughts i had in general about honor is like the sociological and anthropological like origins of honor and what what is considered honorable right why why was it honorable for him to defer you know taking help or not even defer i think um he didn't defer it he just outright rejected taking any help because that was honorable why was it not honorable for him to you know save his sister's life or save his own life for that matter at any cost why is that honor and why is um taking help not honorable like where do these origins of honor come into being and and shape themselves in such a way that they they you know impact life and to make a value judgment here in perhaps such a negative way right to think of honor as hindering um um okay let's just, let me just talk in context of seta like just the idea of honor in that particular context led to him and him losing his life and also losing his sister so uh, so it really makes me wonder what the origins of what is honorable are and where it will go like will things that are and i'm sure the answer is yeah they will change but i'm what i'm interested in is how they change right how how what is honorable changes and would there be a time in the future where in any culture or at least in some cultures doing anything to keep people alive not just those you care for but keeping human life alive is the most honorable thing above anything else so that so, so that you know the the nature of honor itself was 
so interesting to think about and what is and is not honorable that might stem from uh the belief or uh, i don't know if it's intrinsic or whether it's a conditioned culturally conditioned thing but the, the fact that we value the individual or rather we value ourselves more than we value other people and it might be some kind of primal selfishness that exists right so it it is always honorable to get away from a situation that is harmful to yourself even if it means uh that it that getting away could be harmful to both yourself and somebody else in the future and i think we should give saita the benefit of doubt here by saying that well firstly he's 14 years old and he he, he couldn't really see the future and say that it would turn out this way so in that moment uh, getting away from a situation that was negatively affecting him was the right thing to do and therefore the honorable thing to do because you know his sister die uh, he he would know that his sister would die but then i i see that your question is not that but rather why didn't he come back when he knew that his sister was going to die and to that i would i would also like to say that it might be a similar case right so in the future uh, a hypothetical world where doing anything at the cost of um doing anything to save a human life would be the honorable thing to do such a situation might never come to pass because i think we intrinsically value uh, any negative action done towards us as a threat and therefore as something to get away from right so if we were to think about a future world where anything to save a life is honorable then immediately the question is is it okay to save a life by destroying another or is it okay to save two lives by destroying one more by destroying one other right that's the question that i would ask in that situation yeah and i mean yeah just to like clarify i i definitely think that i i, I do i do believe that seta is kind of absolved of responsibility at least in my my hands or at least i don't i wouldn't blame him you know for for what what happened not only one but like you mentioned one he's 14 and two i also think that the conditioning that led to you know their aunt and also the entire community um thinking of war as an honorable thing and of those serving the country as honorable people and come you know them coming before anyone else that the, the conditioning that we spoke about that applied to the aunt i think also applies to to him to to seta because he was also born uh, and brought up in a culture that honored not um you know taking shit from someone and wanting to live a good life for yourself um so i don't think that he really has a lot to to there yeah there's not much else that you can say to to pin blame on him in that sense but just the question of like you said the, the there's like a evolutionary question right there's an evolutionary sort of response that an evolutionary biologist for example could give to this question of honor can examine question and say there's there are evolutionary benefits to to you know maintain honor like you suggested 
but then there's also the question of if you know there's eventually or there's uh as as honor plays out you you know even in um to to go on a tangent for a, for a little bit uh entertain this tangent please uh to think of like honor even earlier um where honor was you know fighter it wasn't even flight it was just fight fight for honor things like that which in almost all cases led to serious harm or injury to any any one party involved or more more than one party involved so evolutionary evolutionarily that also makes me wonder why that was why why that still considered an evolutionary benefit you know on having honor on the side of wanting to preserve yourself uh, even though there's a potential chance of you losing your life um when you could do that so so just and, and of course these questions aren't easy ones and um it's really hard to predict the future so to speak and and where we're heading in terms of determining honor but it's it's interesting to think that there are so many different ways in which this question can be examined um and and thought of from um different academic fields dude I, i hadn't even thought of that you know because when you say um when you say fight for honor it immediately brought to my mind the fact that shit it's never been honorable to run so it's never flight for honor it's always fight for honor why is running away dishonorable you know and yeah damn i i hadn't really thought of it that way and i don't think there's an answer to these questions at least not a simple one and definitely not within the scope of our 40 minute conversation but true dude yeah it's, it's certainly something that that will now keep me awake at night so thank you you have to fight for your right to stay awake <laughs> and it's so uh you're right of course in the scope of our 40 minute conversation is really hard to to think about and try to answer and of course <laughs> given the scope of our limited knowledge um we're two we're two small boys uh uh, uh so yeah um anyway i think that this is a conversation that i i've been meaning to have ever since the first time i watched the film um thanks to you shreesh and i knew that the like you know have, like the moment i finished that and i think in in our first episode on war we bought this up as well i remember very distinctly saying that if if an every world leader watches grave of the fireflies and still chooses to go to war you know shame on you <laughs> um i i really want to know what you you know what goes into watching someone suffer as satsuko and seta has yeah <laughs> and then say you know what mm, i'm going to press that red nuclear button to launch missiles and what not so yeah i i yeah. still think back to that conversation and it's it's a this is a conversation i've been meaning to have for so long yep so yeah i think that that about that just about wraps up this conversation also and you know if obviously if our pseudo amateur philosophizing hasn't convinced you to watch it go and watch it for the sheer spectacle of it it's such a well made film it looks brilliant it's beautifully voice acted the soundtrack is great um so those are enough reasons to go watch it itself themselves right so really hope you 
both enjoyed the conversation and eventually enjoy the film if you haven't seen it already and we hope you write to us if you have any thoughts on the film on the discussion that we had if you had any ideas that differed from us if you disagree if you think we're both stupid and didn't get the point of it write to us <laughs> it would be nice to hear from you um so yeah thank you finally for listening and we'll see you next time goodbye